Hello, my name is Maiwa and welcome to Maiwa in Conversation, a podcast that aims to explore the unique perspectives of Africans. This season, I have conversations with Nigerians that are making an impact by disrupting societal and cultural norms, fighting against injustices, creating new paths and platforms, and who are showing that there are in fact limitless possibilities on the continent. On this episode, I'm talking to Adeju Thompson, founder of Lagos Space Program, a non-binary luxury design project exploring African futures. Adeju describes Lagos Space Program as an ethical movement built on a foundation of collaboration, shared ideas, chosen family, and craftsmanship. Adeju's sources of inspiration are vast, from Yoji Yamamoto to architecture to the New York ballroom scene to Yoruba cosmology. Their most recent collection, titled We Greet Dress Before We Greet Its Wearer, came out of a year-long exploration of traditional Yoruba textiles and their identity as a queer Nigerian. Adeju was a semi-finalist for the 2021 LVMH Prize, and their work has been featured in publications like Vogue, Natal, WWD, and Show Studio. Thank you for joining me today, Adeju. Thank you so much for having me, Mayawa. So the first thing I noticed about your work is the fact that there's a story, there's research, there's a lot of exploration that has gone into creating the final product. So what inspired your interest in Yoruba culture and textile traditions? Um, Well, thank you so much for the question, Myra. Thank you so much for having me again. Um, I'd say for me, my interest in, um, in Yoruba culture and archival textiles started from this great desire to highlight, you know, where I come from. I think as an artist, you know, it's very important to reflect, you know, your identity. You know, I think that's really what makes you sort of stand out. Um, I use Yoruba culture as a lens to view contemporary sort of like triumphs and burdens, you know. So um, through my work, I get to highlight, you know, my identity as a non-binary, someone who's queer. Also like, you know, my struggles with my mental health, you know, all these things. I do this via cultural lens. And I think for me, it's like sort of like highlighting that these conversations haven't been disconnected from the African narrative. There has been like a huge awareness of this. And I think right now there's so many conversations happening globally, conversations around identity, sexuality, representation, you know, and I like that, you know, I can sort of like give an African perspective as someone who lives here, you know, that's why through my work, I talk about me exploring African futures, not Afrofuturism, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like Afrofuturism is all about fantasy and this, you know, um, not all about fantasy, but it's sort of like always been this idea of escape from a very African-American perspective, you know, and I feel mm-hmm. like it doesn't necessarily reflect where we come from as Africans. So when I say I'm exploring African futures, I'm designing from the perspective of an African, you know, and, you know, this idea of like, you know, my, how I put this now, you know, my reality and how I perceive my future you know, coming from the continent. And with regards to, like, um, archival textiles, I think there's so much that's yet to be uncovered. We've barely sort of, like, scratched the surface. I just feel like I'm so spellbound by just the level of attention and craftsmanship, you know. And, like, in my work, I explore Adore, and I coined a phrase called post-Adore. And for me, it's a way for me to, like, within Lego Space Programme, you know, um, faces. I am not interested in going to these spaces and replicating things that already exist or like just like pulling them off. I like the idea of studying them and sort of like continuing the conversation. So with regards to Adere, Adere is um, storytelling via fabrics, you know, and culturally, like, you know, we've used this as a medium to like highlight our stories for centuries. And I feel like, you know, a lot of designers who create 
within this space tend to just like replicate these stories that have been told. And yes, these stories definitely reflect our identity, but I just feel like as someone who lives in 2021, you know, I want to share my stories, share things that are important to me and reflect that within the work that I do. So, and it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing exploration. I like that with every season, with every new collection, I get to really, really fine tune this idea. And, you know, um, it's, it's not something that is static. It's something that every collection I get to like really, really investigate and really, it reveals itself to me, you know, and I'm really excited to like, you know, I'm really excited for the new collection because now I'm approaching in an entirely different way, you know. With my last collection, I explored um, Ifa Odu prints, you know, and Ifa Odu is this very complex tradition within Yoruba culture. It's like, it's mathematics, it's quantum computing. It's just so complex. And I was just so fascinated by that. And I had the opportunity to get my divination done and it was the most fascinating thing. I love, I love watching it happen and I got to record it. And I like the idea that I got to lift my codes which were quite personal to me and put them in my work you know and for me it was a way to like share myself without actually saying too much because those codes represented something and also just thinking about when you sort of like you know put that alongside just like you know um queer life and how like a lot of times queer people are forced to sort of you know um how i put this sort of to hide you know and you know find sort of like communities and everything i like the idea of i like this idea of passing subliminal messages. I love that idea that, you know, you could wear a piece of garment that had a kind of code and only someone who existed within, within your community would understand what that code meant on a very fundamental level. That's a, that felt like a very, very queer idea. So I love that I can always sort of like weave different narratives in the work that I do. And that's really interesting because I remember going to Nikkei Art Gallery as a teenager and um, the the woman who was there was talking about how um, sort of like in pre-colonial times, actually not just pre-colonial, but in the traditional sense, the a lot of the patterns you'd see in Adirea yeah. were actually communicating an yeah. idea yeah. that other people within that community yeah. would understand. understand. But I want us to touch on this idea of... Um, queerness and queerness in a Nigerian Yoruba context because you've spoken a lot about breaking down this misconception of queerness as a Western construct. So for you, how do queer identities and Yoruba understandings of self, cosmology, how do those intersect? Um, It's a funny because like, um, you know, I think within the past sort of year or so my identity as a queer person is very very important to me you know i think it's even sort of like evolved into this very political framework where like it's like i was joking a few days a few weeks back about being like a queer supremacist you know and i think for me like there's so much joy when you get to this place where you're super comfortable in who you are and i love that you know through my work i get to like share myself and in my last collection was inspired by the Galede Spectacle, which are these masquerades that celebrate the matriarchy. And these masquerades are only, are only embodied by men. And on a very sort of aesthetic level, you know, they have these very, um, so like, I, I guess also like, like kind of very caricature of like a woman's form. Like they have like breasts and, you know, big bombs and, you know, the faces have like makeup and all that stuff. And I really like that. And even just the, 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 the gestures, you know, very, looking at it, it seemed like uh, Ellie Ball, you know, and 
people within these spaces weren't disconnected from these conversations. They knew what was going on. And this idea is that men were celebrating this feminine energy, the matriarchy, was something I was very, very fascinated by. And I think growing up in Lagos, there's always been this, you know, um, you know, like I said, it's like a misconception. Like, you know, is this like, you know, um, a Western thing that's being enforced on us? And I think all of these things come out through Christianity and colonization, you know. And I think for me, through my work, I think people might look at me and sort of like see me as this privileged person who's who's had access to like, you know, the West and I'm bringing all these things back. But I like that, you know, I can sort of like break this, break this misconception and use my culture to highlight, look like I'm not some guy who's just like bringing some weird idea. Look at this thing, you know, this is always important part of the conversations that we're having. You can read it yourself. You can learn about this. And it's also a way for me to like really understand who I am. You know, I don't think, I think, you know, um, the most important thing for me as an artist, as a designer, is to get to that place where I'm fully aware of, you know, what I'm trying to communicate, you know, as a designer. And, you know, with this collection, it was, it was really about me um, coming out, you know, through my work, you know, and get to that place where I felt like, you know, it made sense for me to actually share this part of myself because I think my biggest fear in life is living a half-life, Mm-hmm. you know a life where like you know i'm hiding and because of that it gave me a sense of confidence you know now like i feel like i'm much much different you know i'm much more fearless and i think you know i'm excited to sort of like you know have that reflect within the new collection i'm doing because the last question was about this idea of coming out and now the new collection is about when you've come out what what is what does that mean you know celebrating that confidence celebrating that joy and also like you know celebrating also you know all the amazing women who've inspired my work, you know, and just like celebrating that, just being very confident in that, you know, and also what is my, as a queer person, what is my commission to this commission around feminism and, you know, and, and, and the matriarchy. And because like, as someone who is queer, like I've always felt very connected to that energy. And I love that through my work that I can just continually exploring this and celebrating that. And, you know, also like finding myself more and being able to just like fine tune my thesis within Lego Space Program. Your most recent collection is inspired by the Yoruba saying, we greet dress before we greet its wearer. Can you tell us more about this and, and more about the role of clothes and textiles in, in Yoruba cultural history? And I ask this because it's not until, you know, I mean, we've been friends for like two years now, but it's not until our own personal conversations that I actually learned how important clothes were to Yorubas. So yes, can you talk our listeners through? You know, um, so the term Asholanki, Kiato Kenyo, um, is a very popular Yoruba saying that was um, theorized in the, in the words of um, Roland Abiodun. And, you know, I was very fascinated by that because like he sort of like described it as the inseparability of performance, stress and time within Yoruba society and he was highlighting these ceremonies, masquerade ceremonies and festivals and community, the spectacle of it all and how you can separate, you know, the dancing, the, 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 the costumes, the music, the instrumentality, how this like, it's all one thing. And I was very fascinated by that idea that clothing having the power to like, you know, transform its wear and you know even this idea of like um because even when you think about like you know there's something inherently queer about masquerades and all that idea Mm -hmm. and i like that i could really put that 
highlight that within the work that I do. And, you know, even right now, like my new collection, I'm very fascinated by the deity Oshun and she's a very feminist deity, you know, and, you know, and even within the Oshun festival, you know, they have like glady masquerades, you know, and I, and so you understand that within the settings, these conversations were had and people who were in this space, people who are in these spaces, I'm not disconnected from these ideas. So even when I come and I'm sort of like saying, oh, I'm choosing my work at the Ocean Grove and I'm querying it, I'm not some like radical person. These are, these are things I've been having in this space for hundreds of years. And I love that I can sort of like come back to these spaces again and just sort of like a very contemporary lens, you know. And I think through my work, like it just for me, it's just so important for me to really, really share and highlight the joy of this from an African perspective. I, I think, you know, I, I see it as a huge responsibility, you know, and yeah, it's still like an ongoing thing. I'm still trying to fine tune my point of view, fine tune what, I, what it is I'm trying to discuss. Um, you know, like I said, I think for me, first and foremost, my collections are, are a way for me to understand who I am, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, and I think, yeah, that's really the entire sort of like central idea. Um, sorry, that's another question apart from that. Oh, no, I was talking about, yes, um, explaining more about the role of clothes and textiles, which you did. Yeah. Um, in talking about like the quote and talking about an intersection of time. And- yeah, exactly. But another thing that I find really interesting is you talked about that in your answer just now, going to Oshogo, and a large part of the work that Lagos Space Program, you know, does aims to achieve is this idea of collaboration. So you're not just in Lagos sort of ordering adire from people in Oshogo. Hmm. You're going to Oshogo, you are collaborating with adire makers, artists, sculptors, um, uh, in order to keep these art forms alive. So from your experiences traveling around the Southwest, working in Oshogbo, what is the state of Yoruba textiles? And by this, I mean, is this a thriving industry or is it something where it's at risk of getting lost forever? Um, well, that's a very good question. I think for me, um, first and foremost, traditionally, Adire was about this artist sort of reflecting their community. So it was a very personal thing. It was a very meditative thing. You know, you spend hours really creating these motifs to share these elaborate stories. So I think to be someone who, an Adire artist, which I like to say, I think I am, you know, I can't leave it to one person to do it for me because it's my story. So I'm going to these communities to meet these women and I'm trusting them to guide me in the process. But I'm coming there also to, like I said, continue these conversations also and also sort of like rupture the process a bit. You know, I think for me, I like the idea that, you know, I can start from a very interesting foundation and really sort of like add my ideas you know one of the interesting prints that we developed last season was these prints that were informed by graffiti so like you know usually Adire is very fine very meditative and the idea of this time around was like let's really rupture this process like let's attack the fabric and I remember the women just being like confused I was like no 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 this is fine this is this is this is the idea. Let's just go for it. Let's, let's, let's do it. But it was so come like you wasn't making a mistake. Like no, like let's let's do this. And I like that. You know, when you see this print, you know it's the the effect of it. You know. <laughs> sorry for those listening. My dog is in the background acting a damn fool. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. 
I did you please? Like digging them. I don't know. He likes digging. He likes practicing his digging. Kekere, thank you. Sorry, Adeji, you were saying. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Yeah, so going back to your question. Um, so I, I like the idea of exploring Adore as a form of graffiti, you know, like kind of protest. You know, I think also within the queer community, there's always been a huge... I like, so within my work, there's always, I'm always collaging different ideas. And mm-hmm. I, it's something I also do within my Adore exploration, you know. So the whole idea of like the graffiti, you know, was like also like, you know, have this very punk energy within mm-hmm. within Adire, which is not something that I feel like you see very often within that space. And also I like the idea that we could make garments out of this clothing. And wherever you took this clothing, whether it's like London, Paris, Tokyo, you might not understand the textile techniques that's, that you're seeing, but you definitely understand the codes, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's something that is very important to me, this idea of creating within familiar clothes, but doing it within a distinctive point of view, which is like my approach you know, via, via my cultural lens, you know. So, yeah, um, you know, so, yeah, it's so like, you know, I love collaborating with these women. Apart from even the Adire exploration, you know, I've been working with my friend Dunya Herzog. She's a Swiss artist. And we started developing these brass objects and instrumentality and jewelry last season. And this was also, like, I remember, like, having this interesting idea to craft non-classical forms of bells. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was very fascinated by this idea of like, you know, having these objects, you know, create this sense of mystery around the presentation of the collection, you know, and we created all these modes together in Lagos and we went to Benin and obviously everyone knows Benin has a storied history of bronze casting and we got there and it was so much fun, like, you know, getting these things ready to be casted and finally getting there and just like even watching the entire process of them being made but when you go to these spaces these these artisans have been creating these forms same forms for centuries like the binning head and mm-hmm. all these things and it's like it's beautiful it reflects our culture but i never we never went there we were very fascinated by the storied history and the craftsmanship but we, we trusted these men to guide us to mm-hmm. produce these contemporary forms that we did you know so now we've created these objects that reflect cultural memories mm-hmm. of the past and also like you know these contemporary ideas that Duny and I were exploring within the co- within, with, within the collection yeah so I think for me collaboration is such an important part of Lagos Space Program because I mean I know my strengths you know I'm a creative director you know I have these ideas but I'm not a bronze caster Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so like, you know, when I collaborate with Bronzecaster, like, you know, I have my strengths, you know, and I'm also relying on the, the knowledge and the know-how of this person. And we're coming together to make something that reflects who we are and also reflects the idea that I'm trying to communicate and everything. And sort of like highlighting it in a very contemporary and fresh point of view. So the same way I do with the Adire, I'm just always trying to continue these conversations and also like, you know, create clothing that, because I didn't day, like, you know, yeah, I'm like this African guy making these clothes, but I don't necessarily want to be defined by that. You know, I think that's, I think a lot of my peers sort of like get stuck in this place where they're like Africa, 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 this is who I am. And it's like, yeah, like, but also you're like, you're a global citizen, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I want the clothes to reflect the globalness, you know, the fact that I'm this person who listens to industrial hip hop, and I love Grimes, you know, all mm-hmm. these, all mm-hmm. these things are not disconnected from my work. They're there, mm-hmm. you know, and I think like, you know, like what does the idea of someone who listens to like Death Grips and Grimes and, you know, 
loves um i don't know um larry clark films like what 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 what, are, what does the draw that person look like you know it's like an ongoing investigation it's it's very hard for me to like really communicate that but i feel like you have to see the work and to really understand where i'm coming from i just i think for me legal space program is all about breaking rules i don't mm-hmm. i don't follow rules at all you know i've never i've never I've never, ever, ever, like, felt very comfortable be, to be confined within a space. I love that, you know. Um, you know, even within my work, I can always sort of, like, you know, rupture my process, you know, and start afresh. And, like, you know, and that's why I said, for me, like, Lego Space Program fundamentally is about who me you know, and as a person, like, you know, we're always evolving. Very you know. subversive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's super, super subversive. Because even thinking about it now and the different brass objects, like, your jewelry isn't supposed to make noise. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, even, and we even have these, like, uh, you know, also, it was also about the, the object, also, like, you know, was also poking fun at masculinity. So we had these very phallic objects and mm-hmm. on the runway, the model was, like, shaking it so aggressively. And we had these, like, um, sort of like bell hooks that we hooked onto the trouser that had these balls at the tip and it was just like dangling by the, by the model's crotch and it was, it was very subversive it was about me poking fun and I mean if people got it and they laughed at it some people you know it's so funny because like a friend of mine who was at a rise fashion week told if she was next to someone who said they were very scared by my presentation and she was like what do you mean? That's scared by what? Like, you know, like, this is so funny. It's art, like it's expression. I think that's really, you know, I love that I could get to sort of like, you know, collage and have these subliminal, you know, meanings within the work that I do. And it's something that I'm looking forward to doing, you know, more and more, sharing a new collection. Like also like for me, with every project I do, it's all about showing growth, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's so important to me. I really like your focus on collaboration because I think it shows in your clothes it shows actually you don't only do clothes it shows in your clothes it shows in the jewelry it, it shows in i suppose the other textile pieces like yeah. those nice throws you do that yes. there's definitely sort of like yeah. collaboration yeah. there yeah and i think for me it's evident because like you've said you don't just look at these artisans as people sort of creating something you've told them to create yeah. you're also learning from yeah. them and I'm it's an, sort I'm of an active like, participant in exactly, the process exactly it's yeah. just like sort of like symbiotic yeah. um yeah yeah and also genuine sort of like reciprocity like you know mm-hmm. we're really there's a genuine exchange of value you know i'm learning about this story craft from them but also they're learning from me you know a very fresh perspective you know and we're mm-hmm. genuinely like you know we're making something new and when these objects are made you know the the artisans, the craft people, they're like, wow, like, this is really interesting. Like, you know, you're showing, we're, sh- we're, we're showing, and I'm not trying to like think of myself as this like super person who is like, you know, but genuinely when these objects are developed, they're like, wow, like, you know, I, we didn't know like we could do, bre- that. do that, break the rules and everything, you know, and, you know, it's really interesting. And now like, you know, like the objects in, in project five are being collected by the VNA museum in the UK. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember like, you know, having a meeting with um, the the curator and they were really impressed by the level of attention and everything. And now we have these objects that we work together. And now like, you know, that reflects, like I said, the cultural, our cultural memories. And now it's in the museum and celebrates, you know, us, you know, you know, it's not like, it's not like, in the, like, you know, there's so much, 
trauma around the binning bronzes, you know, yes, how they were yes. pillaged and taken to the UK and stolen. And I had this conversation about like the roles of museums. But now, like, you know, we're having this conversation where it's like, it's coming from uh, how, like, I almost sort of like say it's from a very equal framework. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, now we're having conversations and it's like a genuine, like, oh, like, I still don't scrap the idea. I'm trying to like explain it properly, but it's not. No, no, no. I, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. And I think also because you collaborate with people, it's, I suppose, with the people who've grown up, this is like, you know, you have families that have been doing this for centuries. Mm. Even if it's subversive, it's never disrespectful. Exactly. And I think that's what happens when you collaborate as opposed to look at something from afar and then copy it from yeah. your sort of like yeah. ivory tower. Yeah. But even just thinking about this idea of Yoruba textiles and the work that goes into it, I mean, this work has gone on for centuries, constantly refining techniques, um, incorporating new technologies, whether mm. it's from the dye to the actual um, mm. textiles they're using. Um, I want to get to a stage where you go into a Yoruba wedding and women are proud of the ashoke that they're wearing, wearing let's yeah. say. Because, yeah. yeah, you go into a wedding now and people, yeah, people are proud of the Dutch lace they're yeah. wearing that yeah. cost a thousand dollars. And it's really sad, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you go to these communities, there's so much poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in Oshogo recently and I was doing research on my new collection. And one thing that struck me was just the, how there were these amazing artisans just all over the place who had very little work, had the rare people, bronze casters, you know, there's also like bronze casting within Yoruba community, within like, you know, Shogo too, there's like a huge yes. story history around that. You know, one of the, one of the main sort of like symbols of Oshun is actually brass. Mm-hmm. So there's like a huge community of people who make these things and it's like no work because there's been a huge shift of value mm-hmm. where we sort of focus more on on what is coming in from the West. I remember when I was in Oshogo with my dad and she was like, oh, are you like a Oshun devotee now? I was like, why? And she was like, oh, these brass objects are, you know, a huge part of the community's identity. And I was like, no, boy, it's so funny how like, you know, how me wearing jewelry was almost sort of like a trigger or like a alarm for like you them. you said, these codes. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly, these codes, you know, and I was like, no, that's no. it's just like, you know, so it's funny how like, you know, um, even something as simple as jewelry has become so radical or so like, you know, demonized that, you know, it's, no, you can't wear brass because if you wear brass, you know, you are a shun devotee, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really sad and I love that, you know, that through my work, I can make these beautiful objects and, you know, you know, even if you're not interested in sort of like the entire thesis behind how they are made, but you can just appreciate them for how beautiful they are, you mm-hmm. know, and also like, you know, you know, I think, you know, even within the collection, I think um, when the clothes are made and I, I always sort of like share the images, you know, I'm always, it's very, the idea of crediting people is so important to very me. So I credit to everyone who, whose hand is involved in how Lagos space programming. And I share the, these works with the dyers. Like, oh, this, look at what your prints got. This is the conversation I'm having. And they're like learning. They're like, wow, they're very proud of these things. So I feel like in my own small way, I'm also like, you know, demystifying and like, you know, mm-hmm. breaking these sort of like, you know, boundaries and, you know, um, fair, Mm-hmm. you know you know about in about these spaces because it's there's nothing to be afraid of you know and i love that you know that you know 
people that I've been working with slowly, you know, are opening themselves up to understanding more. And it, I mean, it's like, oh, it's time to make a new collection. Everyone's like genuinely excited. Excited, yeah, to so see just, like, you know, yeah, what, what crazy thing yeah. is I do what to do? Yeah. doing now. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it's so funny because even my tailor in the beginning, like, she's like a devout Christian, you know, and I remember when I was saying I was making a collection inspired by Babalao, she, by Babalao's work where she was so like freaked out. And I was like, no, like, it's like, it's, it's fashion. It's like, it's, I don't know. Like it's, it's art. Like let's like, it's not, we're not like practicing anything. It's, also, context for Adeju's clothes. When you see his clothes, you don't think that his head tailor is like a 50-plus-year-old Yoruba yeah. woman. Like, that, that, that for me is amazing She's actually part. 62. Th- that she even was like, oh, okay, you want me to cut this way? You want, yeah. Okay. Well, so funny, you, know, you, know one thing that, you know You know, you know one thing I'm super proud of? So a few weeks back, I was going to a party very late, probably about like 10.30 or 11 um, PM at night, and I got an Uber. And as I got out of my gates, the Uber guy sort of like saw me. So I entered the car, and it was like, "Am I safe?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "And I was like, oh, I beg, I beg your pardon." He was like, "No, you're like, you know, I, who, who, who are you? Where are you going?" And he was like looking at me. He was like, "You look like one of those like um, Babalawo owl people." I was like, no. And I love that, you know, that like people could actually like experience the codes within mm-hmm. my look and I was like okay I'm actually doing something right it's actually reflecting yeah, I don't know he was like no truth like, like, run like, <laughs> exactly I was like no you're safe I'm going to party but I looked I was, wearing, I was wearing the brass jewelry I was wearing the oversized lab coat at the red pieces I was wearing the Yoruba Cambridge so this is a very like Yoruba shapes you know even the yeah. even the the butter shoes that I developed the last season. So I was in full on LSP gear and I love that it was very visible and somebody could actually identify the codes I was tapping into. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. He was probably thinking, oh No, throughout the, entire, throughout the entire journey, he was like on, on edge. edge. I was like, no, well, seriously, do I might save? And I was like, yeah. Just describe me. I'm actually going to a party. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of anybody who does anything close to what you do because I think when I think about Nigerian designers I suppose people of Nigerian descent doing work internationally it's sort of different but when I think sort of the clothes I see day-to-day created by Nigerian designers nobody's doing what you do and people are still very much attached to this whole idea of you know African. So with this being the case, what has it been like navigating the fashion industry, sort of like trying to sell something nobody else is making? I, first and foremost, I think it's, it's always been very important for me to highlight an alternate side of the African narrative, you know, design from a vulnerable space, you know, design from a dark point of view. And I think it's something that's not very visible within the design community. I think there's too much emphasis on sex and having a fire look. And it's important because I, I can connect with that. Sorry, says the man who makes phallic jewelry. But... <laughs> 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 um, you know, but like, it's like, for me, it's like, we have to, it's so important for me that I'm, I'm not just even doing it to like, you know, be strong and I say, no, no, no. It's like, it's who I am. Like, you know, I am, I'm not a fashion kid. You know, I've always been this outsider person who was chronically bullied in high school. You know, I deal with severe mental health issues. You know, I I have moments when I can't get out of bed. You know, this is my reality. And 
I want to show that this exists. My re- I, I, for me, like as a as a queer person, it's so important to be visible to me. Like it's so important for me to be radical, to show where I'm from, to show my work, and to show that you know from the outside, outsiders looking in, to highlight that the African design community is diverse, not just one thing. You know, I enjoy that, but also while these spaces, while while these points of views exist, it's also important that because also you think about this idea of representation, it's so important. It's like a, at the fore of conversation right now. But even understand even this idea, even within the black community, they even marginalized groups within that, you know, like I don't necessarily see myself in most of pop culture. You know, so for me, like, you know, I was speaking with a friend a few days back and I was like, it's you have to carve your niche. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't wait like no one's gonna offer you a seat at the table. You have to like go and build your own table. Mm-hmm. Literally. And that's really what Lagos Space program is all about. So I think with regards to my position in the industry it's been really tough to be honest you know i think if i was another brand doing something that was much more widely accepted you know um i'll probably be more successful than i am i think there's always been there's been always been some there's always been a level of pushback to my work because of what i explore mm-hmm. and the fact that i'm not the most sort of like how like should i sort of like say savvy fashion promoter person i think mm-hmm who I am is how I approach my work, which is very sort of like kidding. It's like, you know, even though I've been recognized by Vogue and CNN and I was shortlisted for the Elvimage Prize, I still sort of like feel like if it was someone else, I'd, you know, be in a different position. But I think for me, like, I also sort of like use that sort of like slowness to also like, you know, fine tune that process, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so that when the time comes and it's time to move to the next level of my career, I'm ready, you know, but I like that slowly but surely, like, you know, I'm beginning to find my community, you know, during the Elvimage Prize, I was, I got a lot of attention from Asia, you know, from mm-hmm. South Korea, from Japan, you know, I got interviewed on Japanese TV by a very influential Japanese creative director. And it was really nice to be interviewed by someone who genuinely mm-hmm. saw you. Like he saw me and he appreciated the work and research and level of, you know, attention I put into my work. And it was just really nice to get that actually like, you know, my community is out there. I just need to push, keep on working hard and they will come. I think for me, like I always like say good work would get to where it needs to be, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think Lagos Space Program is a living testament because I don't come from money. You know, it's always been super hard to like, to do these things, but I like that within the past, and Lagos Space Program is what, two and a half years now? Mm -hmm. And look at everything I've achieved. So I just feel feel like, you know, the future is limitless for Lagos Space Program and I'm really excited that, you know, um, you know, also like, you know, you know, I'm. I always sort of. I never sort of imagine myself to be like a public figure type person. But mm-hmm. when I go out lately, like I meet people and they're like, "Wow!" Like I love what you do. Like I met this beautiful trans women the other day, and they were like, "Oh my God, we are you are you Lagos Space Program?" I was like, "Yes," and like, "Oh my God, we love your work so much." Like, like we look up to you. Your work is so like you know, you know. Thank you so much. And I was like, "Wow, thank you so much," because I never even met a trans person in Nigeria mm-hmm. and to meet these women just like you know really like saying that they felt represented through the work that I did you know was very affirming for me and I was like actually like you know this is actually why I do my work you know the fact that people within the my community celebrate and I understand what I'm doing is is very you know and for me like I don't do I'm first and foremost like 
I'm, I don't, if, I always, I always sort of like ask myself, like, you know, if I, no one ever saw my work, if I didn't succeed, will I still do Lagos Speech Program? Yes, because Lagos Speech Program is my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, like, I do Lagos Speech on first and foremost because it's what I enjoy doing. You know, I don't do it for celebrity. I do it for, because, like, this is how I get to express myself. And I love that people are paying attention. I love that with the new collection, that's going to add a new level of success, you know, you know, a new level of growth. I mean, you say that you've only done this for two and a half years, yeah. Lagos Space Program, but your journey as a fashion designer is actually really interesting. I mean, you went to fashion school, you came back, you've worked for designers like Macchio. So with sort of like all this experience you've had in your 20s, what advice do you have for young designers wanting to start their own brand or just young designers who don't really see themselves represented in what's there? <laughs> My advice to young designers, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> seriously, don't do it. Um, no, but um, seriously, do. Um, my advice to any young aspiring designer is it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's very, very tough. It's very, very toxic. And it's a very, very toxic industry. It's, it's a lot of hard work, you know, and you have to be willing to really put in that time. And I would sort of like tell people like, it's not like, there's no rush. Like you have your entire life to succeed, you know, focus on getting fine tuning your point of view, mm-hmm. focus on finding yourself first. Cause once you do that, then it's easy for you to really create. I always sort of like describe my process now. as sort of like having this like virtual cloud that gets like, so sort of like retrieve information from that's mm-hmm. literally how easy it is for me because I know who I am. It's like just like going back to my virtual hard drive to get you know it's it's because it's like I'm I've designed around who I am you know. So I was like I think first and foremost like I would advise that before we talk about sales and blah 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 and whatever thing, focus on the fundamental, which is like understanding who you are first. Who are you as a designer? Mm-hmm. Like what what value are you adding? to the world, you know, what is your fresh perspective? You know, there's always a fresh perspective, but you just need to take your time first Mm -hmm. to find that. So for me, like I would say, tell any young designer, first and foremost, do your time, Mm -hmm. do your time first. You know, you need to like intern, you need to work with other people. You need to learn first about what it is you're doing, understand the industry, you know, your design includes who's your target audience, you know, who are you designing for? That's something that I learned a lot from Mackie, you know, and she was very generous with like, you know, just like even just like guiding me through that process. Like, you know, who are you designing for mm-hmm. when you're making a collection? This person, like, you know, you know, Mackie always, Mackie always sort of like dissect her collection into like, you know, okay, this is the outfit this lady is wearing to the office and this is what she wears to a cocktail. Mm-hmm. This, is where she, this is what she'd wear to hang out with her friends, mm-hmm. you know, you know, this, it was very segmented, you know, and I, and once I sort of like thought about designing that way, then it made much more sense. There's so much you need to learn, you know, also like understanding, like when you research, you understand that maybe the ideas you have aren't as radical. And you can also sort of like, you know, explore the works of other people who've existed within that space, people who have, who have, whose 
entire career has been about breaking rules mm -hmm. you know so for me like you know I I remember like learning about the works of Yuji Yamamoto and Reika Kubo and Mata and Majella these people's careers were about you know exploring design through a vulnerable perspective you know celebrating the underground you know celebrating ideas of punk and you know Yuji talks about this idea of like designing time very radical design ideas you know and also understanding how they how they built their brands I mean, like, because, like, for me, like, you can't say you want to be something and you don't know the people who've come before you. Mm -hmm. Like, that's so arrogant. You know, you need to, like, I like this, I describe myself as this, like, great fashion student. Like, I know fashion history. Mm -hmm. You know, I know, I know, I know even the guys who don't, who, like, I know about Versace. I know about, uh, I know about uh, Balenciaga. I know about the history of fashion. And I can sort of, like, use these different parts to, like, really inform my practice. So I think, first of all, like, yeah, know your point of view. Understand the industry you want to exist in. And also be patient. Like, it's fine to, to not blow Mm -hmm. <laughs> you blow eventually if you're good at what you do but enjoy the process enjoy there's so much joy in you know one of my favorite you know um, artists is Grimes I love Grimes so much and my favorite album from her is her second album and this album is like I love it so much because it's like in, she made it in this time when she didn't have a lot of money so it was very experimental it's mm -hmm. very like you know making do with what you have and I think like you know when you put that album alongside her more recent stuff you know I used to go back there because there was so much her more joy recent stuff, it's more commercial yeah exactly yeah. so much joy in this thing because like, she didn't have much but she made do so even that whole experimentalness like there was a strength that came with that so there's value in being upcoming mm -hmm. so like enjoy that because when you don't have you find ways to make things work mm -hmm. And there's no institution holding you back. There's exactly. no norms holding you back. Exactly. You just you have know. that space. Exactly. And I think it's interesting that you say that because um, by the time people are listening to this, I would have shared the episode with Stephen Tyler. And I was also asking, you know, what advice do you have for young photographers? And he said the same thing. He was like, there's work that you have to do. Mm. Understanding the people who've come before you and also understanding the people who are successful right now and you know, humbling yourself and writing emails and saying, hey, can I be an intern? Yeah. Can I be an assistant for the next shoot you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that you say the same thing. Yeah. It's important to always, always stay a student in a way and keep yeah. learning. Always learn. Mm -hmm. Always. Like, I, I haven't stopped. You know, I, 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 I listen to tons of podcasts, you know, listening to people who I really admire reading articles reading books like I want to know more mm -hmm. you know I love that because of that like there's there's no place you could put me into there's no one I could stand beside that stand before and not be able to like express myself confidently about my point of view and the work that I do mm -hmm. so it's a place you get to it's a confidence thing and I and also I didn't get there like today mm -hmm. you know it took me a long time but it was a commitment I was committed because I guess when I close my eyes, I know what I want to be. You know, mm -hmm. I know what I'm capable of. And just be me sort of like steadily working towards. I remember like when I started everything and just knowing that I want to be this kind of designer that explores these things. But also realizing that moment that I didn't have the tools, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I need to develop these tools to be there. Mm -hmm. And just been an ongoing thing. So I'll just tell anyone, please, like, before you focus on the intense stuff, start with the fundamental stuff first, you know. You need to know who you are. You need to like really pay attention. Thank you. I think that's like a great way to end Yay. this segment of our 
episode. Yeah. So the next is really quick, really fun, and it's the rapid fire questions. Okay. <laughs> and I do it just so people sort of like get to know you outside of like the serious intellectual stuff we've been talking about. So I'll give you two options, this or that, and you just choose, you know, okay. one word what you prefer. Don't give it too much thought. Just let it come from the, the <laughs> okay. soul, you know? Okay. Cotton or silk? Silk. Multicolor or monochrome? <laughs> monochrome. Lagos or Shogo? Oshogo. I am the marchioness of Oshogo, by the way. <laughs> That's my title. <laughs> Lady Adeja, the marchioness of Oshogo. <laughs> urban or rural? Um, urban. Film or photography? Photography. Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. Adire or Ashoke? Adire. Do you prefer your clothes on models or everyday people? Everyday people. Poetry or prose? Poetry. Fiction or non-fiction? Non-fiction. Painting or drawing? Drawing. Beach holiday or city break? City break. Sweet or savory? Savory. (laughs) Blue or green? Blue. That's my favorite color. Past or future? Past. Right. So in this final section, I want us to discuss the three texts that have shaped the way you think. So I say text because it doesn't have to be a book. People have talked Mm. about books. Yes. But they've also talked about song lyrics, quotes, passages Mm. from the Bible. I Mm. don't know. So, yeah, three texts have shaped. Hmm, I'll say three texts. You know, um, I definitely say like I grew up. I grew up listening to a lot of like David Bowie and the Smiths, you know, I think those guys, you know, were how I really sort of like found my voice, someone who was like an outsider, you Mm -hmm. know, was the first time I really sort of experienced people being vulnerable and talking about their triumphs and burdens. And I think through that, you know, was really a huge part of like, you know, how I really sort of like found myself with regards to books. What books would I sort of like say have really informed, you know, um, where I am Postcolonial Modernism um, by Chikao Keke Agulu. I think that's a book that has really sort of like really helped me sort of like really um, theorize my practice in the sense that, you know, um, I remember like going to um, experiencing the works of Demasu Moko, his architecture around Western Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And my friend recommended this book to like really help me think of, just think about all the amazing stuff that happened in Nigeria, postcolonial artistic um um, community and just really get to like explore that more and that informing what I do because it fits very well with my thesis. This idea of like you know um, postmodernism, you know um, yeah. So that's that and also like this book Just Kids by um, Patty Smith and yeah a lot, a lot of like the music I listen to. Like- Great, thank you. <laughs> no, I mean I think that's yeah. Thank yeah, that, you, thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you, and thank you so much for joining me today. The final recording of the season. I've had such oh, a great really? time. Final recording of the season. Yeah, the first season. Oh yeah. Oh, so wow. yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. To find out more about Adeju's work, follow Lagos Space Program on Instagram at Lagos Space Program. That's L A G O S S P A C E P R O G R A M E. You can find me on Instagram where I'll be reading and reviewing books at Myowa underscore reads. Thank you for listening. <laughs>